light up some bonfires. Except for the whole human sacrifice. Sacrifice. Part. <laughs> yeah. Well, there there are arguably a few people I wouldn't mind sacrificing. <laughs> like, here's the thing. <laughs> Based on where we're at in 2020, I mean, maybe we need a little human sacrifice. (laughs) I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Megan. And I'm Paige. And you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we're going to talk about the origins of some of your favorite Halloween traditions. And with that, it's time for something spooky. So Megan, did anything spooky happen to you in the last two weeks? Paige already said to me earlier today that we might not be the spooky science sisters this week. We might be the sleepy science sisters. (laughs) Um, Because Paige had a very long day. I also had a long day. We, um, because of like an indirect COVID exposure in my daughter's daycare room, we don't have daycare for two weeks, which meant that I had to wake up at five this morning so that way I could go to work for a few hours and then take care of her while my husband worked because his schedule is is less flexible so anyway so I'm very tired so my something spooky did not happen until this morning when I woke up I took the dog for a walk at like 5 30 this morning when it was still very dark out and yeah, I mean, I'm. we've already established that I'm, like, pretty good at creeping myself out. So it's, like, this is very possibly just nothing. But we were a couple blocks from the house. And I live on, like, a semi-busier road. But obviously, it was still pretty quiet because it was really early in the morning. But I heard this, like, car coming down the street or vehicle coming down the street that was like rattling super loud. And at first I thought that it was just like somebody who had like a piece of shit trailer or something hooked up to their car. But then I like turned around to look as they were coming towards us down the street. And it was like somebody's car who was like the front end was like totally fucked up. Like parts of it were dragging they had no headlights and yeah they're just like driving down the street (laughs) and they sort of like slowed down a little bit when they got close to me like almost like they slowed down when they saw me and I was like I don't I mean I definitely probably spooked myself out but I was like is it did this person just like 
hit something and then drive off or something. And like now I'm about to be murdered. So I'm not like a witness to this <laughs> run or something <laughs> like that. So I got really nervous about it. And it was really loud. And like, so I could hear them. And I think they must have like taken like a left turn just down the road because you sort of head like towards the highway and stuff that way. But for a little bit, it, like, almost sounded like they were turning around and, like, coming back around. Oh, so did I, like, you run? I, like, 100% hid behind a bush. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> like, there was, like, a hedge, and it was dark. And so I just sort of, like, grabbed the dog and hid behind a bush until I, like, absolutely established that they were definitely getting further. <laughs> I don't know. I just had a really bad feeling about it. And I don't know. I was like, this is probably nothing. But like, then they tell you that people have gut feelings and it helps them. So, and it was like a little weird that they slowed down a little bit when they saw me. That's super weird. I've had that happen a couple times and it scared the shit out of me. So I also probably would have hidden. Yes. Why hid behind a bush? Paige, did anything happen to you that was spooky? No, nothing spooky, I don't think. I mean, it's been a weird week, but I don't think anything spooky's happened. Okay. I know. It's getting boring over here. Sometime soon, though, it's coming. I can tell. Something yeah. fucked up is yeah, is on well, its way. For now, I'll just convince myself that I'm about to be murdered. <laughs> This is the yeah second of our October episodes and our Halloween season, spooky season episodes. So I'm super excited. We've been like waiting for, I think I thought of this quite a while ago. So I've been waiting for months and months to get to do Halloween traditions. So we'll start with a little bit of history about the holiday and sort of how it becomes the holiday that we know today as Halloween. So I think most people at this point are familiar with the fact that Halloween started out as this pagan festival or celebration called Samhain. Um, or I've also seen that some people pronounce it Samhain. Um, but this is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So you definitely want to say Sam Hain. Sam, <laughs> Sam Hain. <laughs> <laughs> and I only, I think I only found out that it's pronounced Samhain because they say it in the first episode of Outlander. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I saw that in your notes and I straight up yeah. looked it up because I'm like, there's no fucking way that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you say it. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. I, I found it. And now I believe you. <laughs> yes. So that is, that's how you say it. Don't say Sam Hain. <laughs> so it is based, or Samhain is, is this three-day ancient Celtic pagan festival that would have occurred sometime around the end of October, 1st of November. The Celts lived during the Iron Age, 
which, oh, thank you, Paige, for filling in the dates for that, which was <laughs> circa 500 to 332 BC in what we now know as Ireland, Scotland, the UK. So Samhain, which in modern Irish means summer's end, was a celebration that marked the end of summer, the end of the harvest, and the beginning of the Celtic New Year. So their calendar year was actually divided into two halves, a light half and a dark half. And so Samhain was the beginning of the dark half of the year. So, you know, it's a time of death and rebirth to them, the end of this harvest period, the beginning of what was probably a pretty challenging existence in winter. And you sort of start to get these early uh, associations with this idea of, of, I guess, of death being associated with the holiday. Because for them, it truly was like that period of time truly was a matter of life and death. Did they have enough stuff stored up to survive this, you know, cold, dark winter <laughs> that was about to descend <laughs> upon them? So it's always, you know, it's just sort of naturally and for a long time been this spooky time of the year. But I guess back then in a much more literal sense of like, is my family going to make it through the winter? <laughs> yeah, it actually is kind of depressing. Yes. Yeah, that's the physical aspect, literal aspect of what's going on during this time of year. But they also had this this supernatural component to, to it because they also believed that during Samhain, time and space became flexible. And that's how one of the things I read put it, which I thought was interesting. But this idea that the veil or the divide between life and death or between our world and other worlds, and in this case, other worlds like the fairy world, um, was at its thinnest. So it still has this supernatural element to it. Um, and I read that the way that this was often celebrated was that they were they would light bind bind fires bind fires yeah they would light bind fires <laughs> bonfires um and then also read that there was like animal and you wrote this too p potentially human sacrifice yes. um and that they would just like essentially like get part party they'd celebrate get wasted um <laughs> as you should um and then I had also read somewhere that people would wear costumes to ward off ghosts. And I Got didn't it. see that. I didn't see that in a lot of the articles I read. I think that was in um, the like the History Channel article I read, which you'll talk about a little bit. Uh, um, but <laughs> then I also read another article or two that kind of made it sound like there's no actual and I think you're going to talk about this but there's no like actual evidence that any of this celebration occurred the, the way that we think it did or the way that it's written that they did. Yes. Yeah, so that is what I was going to talk about next. So this is all yeah, what we think that they did <laughs> and what they've been <laughs> able to garner um 
through, I guess, the literature or the history that's available. So the origin and the particulars of what happened during this Samhain festival are a bit mysterious because the Celts didn't keep written records. So what's available is this folkloric literature uh, like the Celtic sagas. And you also had writings that were done by Roman authors because at one point the area was incorporated or I guess conquered is the better word um, into the Roman empire, but they likely wouldn't have, I guess, done a true or done a faithful job of, of transcribing these stories or transcribing these traditions. And in one historian's words, they, they probably would have trashed the traditions. (laughs) So, yeah, so we don't really know exactly what happened. This is just what they've been able to, what historians think went on. And there's also some argument as to how much of this Samhain. So everybody, you know, immediately points to, you know, Samhain is the original Halloween. Um, and, but there is argument as to how much it actually contributed to the modern celebration of Halloween. However, I read this book called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween by Lisa Morton. And she actually has a few books about Halloween. She's a historian. And she says that although historians have argued over how much Samhain really contributed to the modern celebration of Halloween, it seems likely that the Celtic festival's peculiar mix of harvest, rowdy celebration, and fearful supernatural beliefs gave Halloween much of its character. So, yeah. I mean, that just, like, pretty much sounds like a good time. Yeah, it sounds great. (laughs) Light up some bonfires. Except for the whole human sacrifice. Sacrifice. Part. <laughs> yeah. Well, there there are arguably a few people I wouldn't mind sacrificing. <laughs> like, here's the thing. <laughs> Based on where we're at in 2020, I mean, maybe we need a little human sacrifice. <laughs> To appease the ancient <laughs> gods. <laughs> that's my. <laughs> that's what I've learned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's get back to Halloween the way it was meant get, to be celebrated. Uh, I am talking. Well, okay, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to say let's get back to talking about Halloween. But yeah, no, no, exactly. (laughs) Let's celebrate Halloween the way it was meant to be celebrated. (laughs) Fucking murdering people. (laughs) (laughs) It's taking a dark turn tonight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we start with Samhain. And from an article from history.com, which is the History Channel's website, they say that there was an association with the Romans' feralia ceremony, which was the culmination of parentalia, which was a celebration of the spirits of their ancestors. And they also say that, which, you know, that, I mean, that kind of seems like it goes with 
with with Halloween and Samhain for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also claim that there's this holiday that the Romans had to honor the goddess Pomona, whose symbol was the apple. And so everybody claims like, oh, like that's where we get bobbing for apples. And that's where we get this association of apples with Halloween. In the trick-or-treat book, though, it says that the Romans, like, most certainly did not have a day or festival to celebrate Pomona. And that this is, like, an error that was made by early historians and then just, like, continues to be propagated forward. So I had this in my notes that I was like, once again, the History Channel disappoints me. Because, <laughs> 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 like, you guys, I just, like... What happened to you? Like, didn't the History Channel used to be a reliable source? And, like, now it's just a fucking nightmare. I don't know if it was ever really reliable or if it was because because it was called the History Channel. We all just assumed it was. And now we're just finding out that we were wrong. That's very possible. Really, the second they started showing ancient aliens and skinwalkers. It was all downhill. (laughs) It was all over. (laughs) For the History Channel. <laughs> I would love to know, like, what the History Channel, um, I don't want to, I want to say bio, but I don't know if that's the right word. Like, the description is for the channel. Oh. Like, do they claim know. to be a legitimate history Probably. retelling channel? Probably. Well, but either way, they definitely <laughs> have some questionable halloween facts on their website so fuck off (laughs) fuck off pomona (laughs) this isn't about you (laughs) all right Uh, anyway on to the next religion (laughs) onward so with the spread of christianity um many of the pagan traditions were evolved and then reframed as christian holidays on may 13th 609 a.d the pope established a celebration called all saints day or all hallows must (laughs) either all hallows or Or all hallows mess all hallows mess that's yeah i mean that's what they called it in middle english so all saints day or uh all hallows mess which is what it was called in middle english Uh, so the day before that holiday would have been all hallows eve and basically what they did is they took a pagan holiday called lemuria Uh, that occurred on that day, May 13th. And like I said, they just kind of reimagined or adopted it and turned it into this Christian holiday. So Lemuria was a day where Roman pagans would try to placate their dead. And I think in their belief system, they believed that ghosts or lemurs i guess lemurs i have no idea would come up and haunt people so in order to try and make them not do that i guess they'd pour milk on their graves and they would offer them little cakes which reminds me of magicians (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like it specifically said little cakes, which I loved. Um, but yeah, like Paige said, this is the Pope and the early Christians saw it as rather than try to fight against the pagan religion and which like I'm sure they also did, but <laughs> in terms of establishing, you know, Christianity, they found that it was better to reframe the pagan holidays and retain some of those traditions versus just like completely bulldozing them because it made it easier to convert pagans. Because they had success with kind of adopting the Lemuria holiday, uh, they then moved All Saints Day in the middle of the 8th century to November 1st in order to kind of take over the, the Samhain traditions. Later, November 2nd was then added as All Souls Day to honor all dead Christians, not just saints. Uh, this is important because it gives Halloween its association with death and the supernatural. So before this, um, I mean, I don't really, do you know a whole lot about what All, all Hallows must was prior to like what the celebration was or like what the day was well so all saints day is yeah to honor catholic saints or christian saints and then they added all souls day which like you said was like everybody who's dead and who was christian or i guess in this case specifically catholic to honor them so just like it really I guess, emphasizes that this is a festival about honoring your, um, honoring or celebrating, I guess, the, the people, the Christians that you've known that have passed on. It gives Halloween as we know it, this association, because there was definitely this, you know, sort of supernatural, you know, the veil between life and death is thin, with the original pagan celebration of Samhain as well. All right. Well, that's Halloween. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's at least Halloween up until the Middle Ages, sort of. And so now we're going to take a look at how that history gets us to the Halloween traditions that we have today. So we have several of those that we're going to talk about. So the first one is, you know, I guess sort of the big one, right? We carve jack-o'-lanterns. We carve faces into pumpkins. And this uh, is supposedly related to a piece of folklore uh, a story about a guy named Stingy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so Stingy Jack is a trickster and, I don't know, just, just not a great guy. And he tricks the devil. And I think there are, they're saying that he, the, he tricks the devil like multiple times, like once to delay the devil taking his soul and then again later but he tricks the devil out of taking his soul but when he finally dies he was not a good guy like i said so heaven also doesn't want him (laughs) so he is condemned to wander purgatory um but the devil gives him a piece of hellfire 
And in some of the versions, it's just he gives them a lump of coal. But either way, this is to light his way as he wanders purgatory for eternity. And he puts this in a carved out turnip. And so because of this story, people began carving out gourds. And eventually, Americans substituted um, well, gourds and turnips, and eventually Americans substituted pumpkins because they're easier to carve and they were native to <laughs> America um, and they didn't have them available in Europe. And the idea was that they were either put out to sort of scare evil spirits or it was you know, thought that they would like confuse Jack, like he was out and about on the night. But the name comes from, you know, he's Jack of the Lantern, and then eventually gets shorted to shortened to Jack-o'-lantern. And that first Jack-o'-lantern reference comes from uh, author Nathaniel Hawthorne. I love this story. I think and it's fun. I actually didn't know about the turnips until like we first started looking into this did oh, you really yeah i had no idea okay um, i'd seen pictures of like yeah like the turnips carved before there's like fucking, seems like a real pain in the butt <laughs> they're terrifying and i've decided that that's what i want to do from now on is carve turnips yeah yeah have you I ever mean, seen a turnip in real life good point i mean like they exist but like but they're but like, small. have you ever gotten one? Yeah, like they're <laughs> small. Yes, I have like seen one. In good point. Like... <laughs> 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 well, I just mean like, okay. My point was not like, oh, you fucking idiot, you haven't seen a turnip. <laughs> it was more like they're so tiny. Like they're right. more like potatoes, right? Like they're also roots, aren't they? Yeah, they're pretty yeah, they are. Yeah. And they're yeah. They're, so not like, like, pump, they're not like pumpkins or squash or whatever where they're big things that are easy to carve. They're like they're I mean you can have big turnips, but like yeah, they're more like I guess potatoes. Yeah, they're they kind little... of look like giant radishes, don't they? Uh, I don't think do so. Do I really know? Do I know what a turnip looks like? It's a unclear. radish is more like round and purple, isn't it? I thought a turnip was more like it's like a. In, I would say it's in between. They like look a, like giant radishes. Radish carrot. Tell me I'm wrong. Google <laughs> turnip right now. It looks like. I guess it depends on the variety of turnip. But yeah, your radish carrot is looks like this one picture. Yeah. Yeah, they would be super hard to carve, but that's right. kind of why I want to do it. Yeah, because like there's no like there's no pulp in them. Like they're more like a potato texture, I would think. Yeah, or even yeah, like out? you said, like a carrot texture or radish texture. Like how the flip are you going to carve that out? I have never eaten a turnip, though. I will say that I've eaten a radish, had, and I think they're oh. disgusting. But oh, I like radishes, but I've had turnips like cut up into. Like baked vegetables and stuff. They're good, but hmm. they don't taste that different from potatoes. Huh. Okay. Well, we are <laughs> hopefully going to be together for Halloween. We are going to carve some turnips and we will post the results. It's going to be, we're going to have turnip carving contests. 
And there I've just now decided. is a good chance I'm going to give up halfway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You heard it here, though. We promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if we're not together, you better buy some fucking turnips and you're going to carve some turnips. I'll do it. Okay. I'm very excited. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the the legend, I keep saying like folklore. I have no idea what I'm talking about. The story, the legend of of the, Stingy Jack. The legend. The folklore. The myth. The legend of Stingy Jack. The man. Um, Stingy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one though it's a fun story so and i didn't write down the super detailed version but and like you know we're supposed to be spooky science sisters and it's like there there's no science behind this like this is just this is just superstition <laughs> we're just so, the spooky sisters tonight we're just the sleepy spooky, spooky sisters, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okie dokie. Tell me about trick-or-treating. Yeah, the next one that we took on was trick-or-treating. And there are like a lot of stories as to how or why trick-or-treating has become a thing. Yeah. Um, Which sort of suggests to me that it's like no one fucking knows. Nobody knows what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So some people argue that the origin is from the pagans leaving out goodies to bribe or placate the spirits or other creatures out during Samhain. Yes. And then a little bit later, the idea of trick-or-treating is potentially related to medieval Christian traditions so people were encouraged around the festival or holiday of All Souls Day to pray for souls stuck in purgatory and were told that if enough prayers were offered, then a soul could ascend to heaven. And I had some like questions about this. Like, were we praying for specific people or was this just like sort of like generally like how? How did these souls that are ascending get chosen out of like all the ones in purgatory? It had you had to have been praying for specific. Yeah, but like, how would you know? Anyway, oh, that's had, a good point. I had some questions about the. <laughs> well, just random ones get get chosen. You, you were no. <laughs> right like i i was just a little confused about the logic behind this which i mean i i probably should just accept it <laughs> you were you were gooder than some of the other souls i guess so um but anyway so this leads to um children and beggars going souling door to door and like the word is actually souling which i think is a really weird word um but they would do this in exchange for something called soul cakes which were spiced cakes filled with raisins which sound delightful in exchange for these the beggars would say that they would offer up prayers for these souls in purgatory but like Again, that's like weird. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I'm just an asshole. Like I'm thinking like again, like if if you took somebody's soul cakes, did that mean that your prayers were like going specifically towards people that they knew? 
Or were we just sort of like doing this for the general good of souls in purgatory? I'm going for general good. That seems to make the most sense. I guess so. Even though. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's what we're fine. going with. It's fine. But anyway, <laughs> I, had, I had some I had some questions about the logistics <laughs> behind how purgatory works, but <laughs> I'm <laughs> just a heathen, so I guess I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And then some sources argue that the modern trick-or-treating stems from what's called bell snickling, uh, which I just think is great. I I have questions about this, but I'll get through okay. it first. Okay. Um, this is a tradition in German-American communities where children dress up in costume and then they'll call on their neighbor- neighbors to see if the adults can guess their identities. And then in one version of the practice, the children are rewarded with food or other treats if nobody can identify them. My question, though, is that I thought bell snickling was like a Christmas tradition. So, so did I. Like, I also thought that Bell Snickling was Christmas because in the office, <laughs> Dwight, <laughs> Dwight does Shroot Family Christmas and, like, he dresses up like Bell Schnickel, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't know if it was, like, just because it was around the same time that they sort of think that. It just kind of got the idea from it. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, so that because I also thought that it was more like a Christmas thing. So we've gone through three possible origins of trick or treating, and like here's the real answer: it's probably just like they all sort of snowball into one another and become modern (laughs) trick or treating. (laughs) But honestly, a lot of Halloween as we know it today was brought to America by Scottish and Irish immigrants. And they're the ones that actually really bring, I guess, sort of the, the like trickster trouble causing side of Halloween to America, which I sort of love because I have like Scottish and Irish heritage, um, mostly German, but definitely significant Scottish and Irish heritage. And it's like, yeah. I'm a trickster. (laughs) We're bringing the wildness to Halloween. The Scots believed that on Halloween, that was when the bogeyman or boogeyman would come out and cause trouble and that, you know, they could sort of be, we could be wading through any gate. So it really had this, the holiday really had this association of pranking with them. Um, They potentially had this, their own secular version of this souling practice of going around and asking for soul cakes in exchange for prayers called guising, in which they would have offered jokes or songs or other, I guess, quote unquote, tricks in exchange for treats. So in the early 20th century, Halloween is I guess because of the influence of, again, these Scottish and Irish immigrants, like, really gets a little out of hand. It becomes known as <laughs> mischief, mischief night or devil's night, and kids are out getting into all sorts of trouble. 
They're like tipping over outhouses, setting things on fire, derailing streetcars. Hasn't, hasn't Devil's Night turned into like a different night now? You might be right. That does Bec- sound like it's a thing. Because I feel, and, and I'm only remembering this really because I remember it being talked about um, in Detroit that there was specifically a night where things like one night a year or whatever where people tend to like set things on fire or things get kind of crazy oh. in the city and i thought it was still like the cold. night before halloween or something like that it might be i don't remember i'll look it up while you're staying yeah we'll have, to, we'll have to double check that but anyway so uh i did watch this like very hilarious drunk history segment <laughs> that was like five minutes long that <laughs> Um, kind of referenced this or explained Mischief Night, Devil's Night, and basically attributes this part of what we kind of know as Halloween to a specific woman named Elizabeth Krebs, who lived in Hiawatha, Kansas, and was like real pissed that kids kept destroying her garden every year <laughs> um, on Halloween. So she like basically decides she's going to throw this like massive Halloween party and parade and try to keep them out of trouble and so she's potentially the one who sort of says like hey like let's give the kids something like structured to do so that way they're not out getting into all manner of mischief um on the night of halloween that is brilliant (laughs) i mean that's just like generally parenting right there (laughs) (laughs) That's parenting a toddler for sure. It's like, let's just give you a structured activity. So like, we just keep you out of trouble for as much of your life as we can. (laughs) So anyway, but again, Halloween kind of gets a little bit out of hand in America, um, potentially spurred on by the Great Depression because you know, it's generally a desperate time. The Halloween of 1933 is actually called by some Black Halloween because of how much damage was done in some cities on that night. So, you know, potentially it's this Elizabeth Krebs woman in 1913 who comes up with this idea to kind of give everybody structured activities, but potentially it's also just sort of generally homeowners who start bribing kids with homemade treats like popcorn balls to prevent them from causing trouble. And in 1939 is when you get um, the first appearance of the phrase or the description of the custom of trick-or-treating in print for the first time. So it takes a while. So like trick-or-treating as a trick-or-treating as a concept is fairly recent or like, as we know it now is fairly Mm -hmm. recent. Uh, yeah, and I I had read that it really started get, didn't get start getting popular until the fifties, which I yeah I yeah. like I had thought it was popular prior to that right and like popular I guess in like the commercial the more commercial way that we know it now. right 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 <laughs> yeah so then I looked specifically into like why candy like why did candy become the treat that everybody gets now. Um, and until the middle of the 20th century, it, there really was like kind of anything that you would get for Halloween. And I've gotten some of these things, but 
Um, people would get toys, which I think is cool. Like I would have wanted toys as a kid. Trick or treat everywhere <laughs> you go, you get a new toy. Um, yeah. So some people would give coins, fruit, nuts. Uh, like you said, popcorn balls, any of those kinds of treats. It wasn't. It really wasn't candy that was given out. Uh, but with the rise of the popularity of trick-or-treating in the 50s, uh, it inspired co- candy companies to make a marketing push with small, individually wrapped pieces of candy. Um, so then basically out of convenience, people just decided to buy the candy. Uh, but it didn't really dominate other treats for trick-or-treating until parents started fearing really anything that was unwrapped in the 70s. So the 70s is when all the the scares, I guess, started happening or the stories started coming up about people doing weird stuff to candy or doing weird stuff to unwrapped things. Um, so people uh, turn to candy. Got it. I, so when I was a kid trick-or-treating, I can remember getting like some quarters sometimes. I definitely remember getting like popcorn balls, but I feel like they were like, they were like pre-packaged ones. Like you can still buy those in stores, mm-hmm. um, but they're, yeah, they're like pre-packaged individual things. Like I, I don't have any distinct memories of getting like homemade goods at all from anybody I remember, at the point in time when I was trick-or-treating. Yeah. I remember there was one man who always gave little Debbie's, um, there were a couple places that I got fruit, like apples and stuff. And yeah, I definitely got know, an apple at one point. Definitely had to throw or those another. away. Um, <laughs> and then I, I think there was like somebody who gave out like cans of soda. But other than that, everything was candy. Yeah. I never got any coins. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Which is like sort of funny because like kids fucking hate getting produce and stuff like that like apples or fruit or whatever and it's like produce is fucking expensive (laughs) depending on how many like as an adult depending on how many trick-or-treaters you were getting if you were giving out apples like damn right right just give a damn bag of skittles it's cheaper it probably is to give like to even give full-size candy bars it might be cheaper depending on the apples that you're giving out Um, I am like 99.9% sure that I'm about to tell you a true story, but there's 0.1% of me that's wondering if maybe I just made this up some night in my sleep. Uh, but I would swear to you when I was younger and we were trick or treating, there was a house that we called the doll house and it was this older woman who lived there and her entire living room was like floor to ceiling display cases of porcelain dolls. <laughs> this sounds like something you dreamed. <laughs> I'm like pretty sure this is a real thing. And now okay. I I'm gonna try to find someone who Yeah. What's Steven remember? Uh, I don't know. I don't I know I used to go with like Michelle trick-or-treating, so she'd probably be the best person to ask. But Okay. You'd, like, go inside this woman's house? Yeah. She had, like, buckets of candy, and you would get, like, a handful from each bucket. Like, inside her house? Yes. That's, like... The shit. How you get murdered. I know. So that's why I'm not really sure if I'm making this up. But but I would swear to you this happened, and it was, like, my favorite house to go to. Okay. Did you have any neighbors that would, like dress up and try to scare the shit out of kids 
I don't remember anybody really doing that. No, I mean, I've done that, but I don't think anyone's ever done okay. that to me. Okay. I do. But I think today, like, get in trouble for it. Yeah, probably. Just a bummer. All right. Well, yeah. So here's the here's the thing. Trick-or-treating, we've got four different possible origins. But again, they probably all combine into what we know today or what we do today. Okay. So our next big tradition is that people... <laughs> <laughs> wear costumes on Halloween. So I think Paige mentioned this before, but again, it's like nobody fucking knows where the Halloween traditions came from. So it's just <laughs> sort of all over the place. There are like different things. Yeah. Which is funny because you read articles and people are like, you know, people put very, you know, written in stone statements in their articles. And it's like, but you really don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so the pagans would potentially disguise themselves from, and I read this a few places, from otherworldly creatures like fairies um, or ghosts that came out during Samhain so that they would be left alone. So, again, it's it's got this, like, I mean, it's still got this it's very supernatural trickster association with it. You didn't want the ghosts to pick on you. So you would dress up like a ghost, so they'd be like, oh, it's just another another ghost. Just I'll another just ghost. Just just another ghost. <laughs> okay, so then in medieval times, we're on to this All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, three-day festival. Um, so again, that three-day festival really continues because Samhain was three days as well. But this is potentially when beggars got rowdy and drunk on Hall All Hallows Eve and it was basically convenient for them in that case to hide their identities and hide any bad behavior by wearing a mask. And some of these uh, people would go house to house in costumes to put on little plays to be rewarded with food and drinks. So again, potentially there's some trick or treat influence there as well. And in, I guess the UK in Britain, November 5th, 1605 is when Guy Fox tries to blow up parliament and he is captured and tortured and eventually hanged. And as part of this research, I found out that he was, like, tortured so badly that they had to, like, carry him up to the <laughs> platform <laughs> to hang him because he was, like, in very bad shape. So, hey. not great for him. And that he, like, wasn't even really the, like, he wasn't the end-all, be-all mastermind of this plan. So, he sort of gets scapegoated a little bit. Anyway. Big aside. So November 5th, remember, remember the 5th of November becomes bonfire night and they, you know, turn it into this big thing where children wear masks. They wear Guy Fox masks to mock him and they burn effigies of him and they, um, they run around causing mischief. So I guess some things thought like, or something sort of suggested that this, like, 
contributed to the costume wearing on Halloween, whereas other things that I read sort of suggested that this was something that was basically like pulling people away from the Halloween traditions. So a little bit unclear in that respect. And in the U.S., of course, costumes get commercialized and they become part of this effort to try to try to tame things a little bit because people are getting real pissed about their stuff being ruined (laughs) (laughs) or about things getting set on fire. (laughs) So again, you know, you have these publications coming out um, from companies saying, you know, you should host a Halloween party or you should have a Halloween parade and dress your kids up in costumes. And Anoka, Minnesota, which I found about out about this not too long ago, like maybe a couple months ago. And I'm like very pissed that I've lived in my in the Midwest for a significant portion the majority of my life, really. And like nobody has told me that I've been within driving distance of a place that has had a Halloween parade every year since 1920 and bills itself as the Halloween capital of the world. So that's our trip after Salem, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Here's the thing, listeners. <laughs> in addition to just being like generally pissed about the condition of the world and people being total fucking assholes we are per we've been personally hurt by this situation because Paige and i were supposed to go on a girl's trip long weekend to salem massachusetts the weekend before Halloween and do all sorts of spooky historical things and have a fabulous, wonderful time. But we can't now. And I'm supposed to be there a week from today. And like, who even knows if we're going to be able to go next year at this rate? Right. I'm not counting on it. Yeah. And people are, are just, just you've ruined this for me, people. So hopefully we get to go next year, but here's my little PSA. There is still a pandemic. Cases are going up, even in Europe where they had like actually did a good job with the initial wave. Well, some countries did a good job with the initial (laughs) wave and their case numbers got really low. They're seeing a big resurgence of cases. This is like basically playing out like the pandemic, the Spanish flu in 1918, a hundred fucking years ago. And we're doing the same goddamn things now. And people are dying. It is not over. Wear a fucking mask. Just, just don't, don't go hanging out with your friends and doing all this stuff. I should be getting ready to go to fucking Salem next week. <laughs> don't ruin it for us next year. Yes. Is what we're trying if to I say. don't get to go next year, <laughs> some shit's going to go down. <laughs> then we really are bringing back the original Halloween traditions. <laughs> it's fucking human sacrifices and burning shit to the ground. <laughs> this is the podcast episode that gets me arrested (laughs) or at least put on like some sort of like 
I don't know. Some sort of watch. Watch list. (laughs) (laughs) She she might be a Halloween terrorist. (laughs) God damn right. (laughs) I'm scared. I'm scared. Um, (laughs) On to our next topic. Some of my angriness. (laughs) Let's talk about cats. (laughs) <laughs> okay so yes the next thing we're going to talk about is black cats and i guess this like isn't just a halloween thing this is just like a general like superstition type thing that black cats are bad luck or that black cats are scary or evil um though before i start this i will say that i read um that black cats are no longer like adopted less than other cats for a long oh, really? time. Yeah, apparently that's like not a thing anymore. Um, I okay. mean, I, I read I a couple places that. Yeah, and apparently, a co- like I read, I read a couple places that it was still the case, and then I've read, I think it was the ASPCA. I think said. I'd have okay. to go back and double check that. But I definitely read that like that is no longer the case. So, I mean, that doesn't mean you should stop adop- adopting black cats. It just means that the black cats are loved now. So that's good. Anyways, black cats. Yeah. <laughs> but don't they also like um don't do we think do we think there's any truth to like places not letting people adopt black cats on Halloween because they're afraid that they're going to do fucked up shit to them. That's oh. a little urban legend that I heard heard, but I don't know if it's true. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me, but I, I don't think I've ever even heard that. That's terrifying. Yeah, like I had heard that like they wouldn't let people adopt <laughs> adopt them. Uh, they wouldn't let people adopt them on Halloween because they're afraid they're going to do weird stuff to them. But I sort of wonder if that was like some urban legend that arose out of the like satanic panic stuff, which was like in the seventies or eighties or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I can't say that I've ever heard that. Anyway. Anyway. Tell black me about it is. <laughs> so I read a, like five or so articles that specifically talked about Pope Gregory the Ninth being the whole issue behind the black cats stuff. Like okay. him, uh, a lot of people believe that he called for a massacre. And in some some articles, I read that it was black cats, and others I read it was all cats. Um, but saying that they were the like basically devil reincarnate, like they are the devil devil cats um (laughs) and supposedly like after this people started burning cats in the streets um and they have like this like whole like an actual like cat massacre and like i said it sounds based off what i read a lot of the articles make it seem as if this is all cats this isn't just black cats okay um but like side note cat massacre would be a great band name Oh, it really would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
Um, and so then when the, when the black death, so when the plague occurs in the 1300s, um, everybody blames the cat massacre because people think that the lack of cats causes this increase in the black rat population and the black rats are what carry the plague. Ah, so okay. that's where a Gee, lot of people doing things that are not good for them and don't make any scientific sense. So that way lots of more people get sick and die. Hmm. That would never happen. Not today. <laughs> anyway (laughs) um so this is you know story after story i read but then i started reading that none of this is even true um and it's i can't i mean i don't know you know i wasn't there obviously i can't say i don't know that anybody now can but um they're saying that there maybe it's true but that there's nothing really to prove that it is there's no evidence to show that a cat massacre ever occurred um there's maybe some drawings or some art that show people you know burning a cat or doing weird things with the cat uh, but there's also lots of you know that same evidence a lot of pictures a lot of art that's done with people having cats as house pets so um it's hard to say whether or not this cat massacre really happened and and even if it did whether or not it was specifically black cats or if it was all cats but then a lot of i don't know a lot of what i guess a lot of people probably know about black cats now is that uh they were thought to be like a witch's familiar so there's a little story about um kind of where this thought came from and it was in the 1560s in england uh on a night a moonless night a father and son (laughs) it's very important that it was moonless Um, and they definitely a hundred percent know that to be true right absolutely um a father and his son are traveling and they are they pass they pass wow they cross paths with a black cat and I don't really understand why, but apparently the story goes that they start pelting the cat with rocks, which like just makes them a bunch of dick bags. Um, But they start throwing rocks at this cat until this poor cat goes home to the woman who at the time was accused of being a witch. The following day, the father and son saw the woman who lived in the house. And when she came out of the house, she was limping and bruised. So they assumed that witches could turn themselves into black cats at night to roam around unobserved. So I guess that's where a lot of that thought of um, the black cat being the witch's familiar came from. Got it. So basically these guys are just like fucking animal abusers. Right. And then they also turn out to be misogynists. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag get woke. (laughs) (laughs) uh and then they cause this whole problem for for the fucking cats so that i mean i don't really know once again there's any real good story as to why black cats are seen as unlucky um but this is where a lot of i guess those stories come from yeah i like black cats although i love black cats yes although i think i had heard that like i think just black animals in general uh because it happens to dogs as well they i think they do tend to get adopted a little bit less because they 
tend to not, they tend to be a little bit more difficult to photograph well. So if you're looking at photographs of shelter animals, then, you know, the, the black ones are just a little bit harder to photograph and get good pictures of. So people tend to avoid them a little bit more. That's what I, hmm, interesting. So just like, or, you know, yeah, like, if you even like adopting online and you don't, you I mean, you're looking at photos right. to go visit. Yeah. yeah. Then like if, you know, it's not a great photo and it's a black, because it's a black animal and the camera has trouble with it, then you might just skip over them. So hmm. I like specifically would want a black cat though. <laughs> yeah. I love black cats. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Maybe you're just a witch. Can. Also true. <laughs> um, all right. So it's time for our next tradition, which tradition. is bobbing for, <laughs> which is bobbing for apples, which does not have anything to do with the goddess Pomona history channel. Get it together. Um, but. Apples do make a lot of appearances in Celtic mythology and have connections to the other world, which I think means like fairies and shit. But anyway, uh, they also have these strong associations with various fortune telling traditions that were associated with Halloween. So I guess bobbing for apples, which I had no idea it used to be considered a form of divination so this is according to npr so they would people would obviously we all know what bobbing for apples is right dunk their heads into a vat of water try to bite into an apple um but women would mark the apples with names i guess of like potential future spouses and then whoever's apple they pulled out would be the person that they would marry. Um, so I guess it's just like the bobbing for apples version of like, what are those little paper foldy things you used to do in like middle school? Oh, um, what are they called? You know what I'm talking um, about? Yeah. Let me think about it for a second. I I'll get back to you. Okay. Or like that mash game. Or that mash game. Yeah. So this sort of seems like that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yes. Um, so they probably the Bobby for Apple tradition probably comes from, again, Scottish or Irish traditions. So they give us, again, a lot of our modern Halloween things that we do. Um, but there's another one. Also apples, which this one, oddly enough, I had actually heard of before, but a woman would stand in front of a mirror on Halloween with an apple and she would either eat it or she would slice it up and she would look in the mirror and like see the face of the person, her beloved in the glass. So like whoever she was supposed to marry in the glass. So that's sort of a, a weird one, but apparently that was part of uh, the traditions that were described by the famous poet, Robert Burns because he did some writing about various Halloween traditions. So that's Bob and for apples. Cootie catcher? Cootie catcher! That's correct. That is correct. I don't know why it was called a cootie catcher, but it was. 
What was it called? The cootie catcher. I don't know. But either way, that's 100% what it's called. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We bob for apples. We also light things on fire because bonfires are a big part of Halloween. Although, like, I feel like, are they a big part of Halloween anymore? I don't. I don't know. Th- I mean, they're a big part of my life, but I don't know they're a big part of Halloween. Yeah, like I feel like that must be an older tradition. I don't know. So the thing less is like bonfires, candles, but like we said before, bonfires they lit big ones during the Samhain festival, and you know, part of it was they were performing potentially. Well, they're sacrificing or burning certain crops and animals as sacrifices to their gods. There was apparently fortune telling. Paige said they might have worn costumes. And one of the traditions that they mentioned was that people would take the coals from the sacred fire, this big bonfire that had been lit by the druids, which I think were basically their priests and use it to relight their fire at home which would have gone out while they were out celebrating and getting drunk with all their friends so i think the one thing about uh this about bonfires that i guess definitely passes to today is that these big bonfires probably would have attracted insects and insects means that you attract bats so some people say that we get this association of bats with halloween because of these bonfires and so candles are bonfires along with lighting candles in i guess more christian traditions uh there's this association with sort of like lighting the way for souls who are seeking the afterlife or potentially for souls who are like stuck in purgatory or potentially for like protecting your property. So it's, it's all over the place. It could be a lot of things again. (laughs) Now we're going to talk about um, some of the, I don't know, I guess the, the spookiest uh, Halloween legends, which is the razor blades and apples and the poison and the candy or just, you know, tainted candy. Uh, yeah. and, and whether or not it's even true and if it isn't, where did it come from? Yeah. So this is more like debunking. Like this is more like contemporary or urban legends, like not actually the traditional folklore origins of Halloween. Right. See, we got to the debunking eventually. It took us some time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... I just I put this note in here because I just think it's funny that they specifically so there's a point specifically where people were researching Halloween sadism, um, which are crimes specifically committed using Halloween treats or customs. And they basically concluded that like the threat is greatly exaggerated that like there may be, you know, has have been a couple of small things that have happened or things that are like happening around the same time as Halloween or they've happened to candy once before but like overall there's not really much threat here yeah um i mean i guess thinking of it from like this thinking of it from i guess the scientific or like the psychological perspective which is what we typically do on this show but again this is special spooky halloween episode 
I would think that, yeah, a lot of it is probably just coincidence, right? And like people thinking that these things are like noticing these things more around this time of year. And so it sort of like becomes this association. Yeah. Or or maybe like people are more tempted to like do weird shit because again, they have this like subconscious association of like, this is when I'm supposed to do these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, though, I don't even think there's there are many things that have even happened truly on Halloween. Like a lot of it, um, a lot of the research has shown that it's you can't even link it to Halloween or it happening on Halloween. It's just a lot of it is candy. Like because it's candy, I guess it's linked to Halloween somehow. Um, (laughs) Speaking of candy, I just opened up a apple pie Kit Kat bar. Ooh. Which is a special one that they've released for this fall. So anyway, um, not great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it is what it is. Um, (laughs) Something I've learned in my however many years, five years in the flavor industry is that pumpkin spice is like really fucking hard to get right. Mm, It's like really because you have to get like all the green notes in there and it's just like really the pumpkin flavor is really tough. So anyway, got it. This is apple pie flavored though. Oh, I thought you said pumpkin <laughs> pie. <laughs> oh yeah, is it witch's so, brew? Um, no, it just says apple pie. I don't oh, know fuck. what witch's brew is. <laughs> you didn't care about pumpkin pie at all. <laughs> anyway, no. But I appreciate the story about it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Okie doke. Um. So some of the stories uh, that have kind of been linked to this fear about poisoning candy. Uh, the first is that in the 70s, there was a man who purposely poisoned his own children with putting cyanide in pixie sticks. Um, I think that is just the saddest story. It is terrible. Well, and he also apparently didn't just give it to his children. Uh, he gave it to a couple others. And, and to be fair, it sounded like this one happened around Halloween. But like still. So fuck it, that guy. Right. <laughs> A, fuck that guy. B, my understanding is like he wasn't just handing it out to like every trick-or-treater. Not yeah, that, that it makes it like, better. But, it, you know, it wasn't like right. this whole fear right. about this. You know, It was it like a premeditated like attack on specific people in right. his life. Right. But it is definitely where, like, I had heard that one before. It's definitely where um, a major source of one of those stories has come from. But he's like that type of person, numero uno on the human sacrifice list. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Although, I guess, presumably, if you're going to do like human sacrifices, like, you got to sacrifice the good people, you know? Right. Like the gods don't want like the shitbag people. They want to know like you are willing to sacrifice the good people. So this changes everything for you, I hope. Are you still willing to sacrifice people? Um Yeah. That makes it tough. Uh <laughs> 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 oh, <dokie>. So <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, me more about candy. In the 19 19- Well, this one's actually funny enough not about candy, but um for some reason it increased this fear of tainted candy and and I don't 
I mean, I suppose just because it's small. Um, but in the 80s, there was an issue with some acetaminophen um, that was, or Tylenol, which was laced with cyanide and it was put on the shelves and sold. Ooh, Have you no. heard about this? Um, it sounds like vaguely familiar, but not really. <laughs> um, and the case went unsolved, so they couldn't figure out who did it. And I got, maybe that's kind of what increased this fear of tainted candy is that they couldn't figure out who did it. Um, so they're, you know, thinking maybe they're going to do something to the candy too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like somebody like would get access or get the idea to like poison something. Because it would have had to be somebody like at the factory, right? You'd think. Yeah. You'd think so. And then, and this one obviously is the earliest one, but in 64 – there was a New York woman named Helen Feel File, um, and she was P F E I L. I don't know File Feel. Yeah, File Feel. File. One I of think. the two. File um, was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids. Oh no! Um, and when questioned, the housewife said that she was joking and that she gave the items to kids she felt were too old to be trick or treating. So this one actually did occur on halloween but like it wasn't like she's poisoning the candy she's just like straight up handing handing ant poison to kids or dog biscuits to kids as a joke like haha this is a treat or a trick um the the police obviously didn't find it very funny but she apparently (laughs) thought she was funny (laughs) so (laughs) there's that um yeah so again, like, sure, I get that that was probably a little scary, but I mean, it's not she like wasn't she was doing it like with the intention of actually killing any of those. Right. Kids. She wasn't sticking ant poison in, you know, a sucker or in some a bag of Skittles or she wasn't giving the ant poison to a kid who would be, who would have been too young to understand what it was. She was like just mm-hmm. being a bitch. So, yeah. It's okay, um, like we've learned, for older kids to go trick-or-treating because if they're not trick-or-treating, they could be doing other stupid shit like knocking over outhouses or burning things down. So if you see yeah, an older kid trick-or-treating, just give them some fucking candy and let them yeah. go That's on their way. That's I figure. It's like let kids hang on to innocent traditions or like hang on to their youthfulness for as long as they can right it's fine if a 17 year old wants to come knock on my door and get candy i'm fine with that and like people have also pointed out that it might be a kid who has um either like well has some sort of developmental disorder where like they might look older but i guess mentally like they may not be that old you know so like mm-hmm. they might still be out trick-or-treating and like people are being shitty to them because they're like well oh, are too old to be trick-or-treating and it's like well they yeah like just like kids be kids it's also fine. i'm 20 i'm 28 years old and if i walk up to your house with a fucking basket and say trick-or-treat i still expect candy <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. I say trick or treat. I receive candy. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So, yeah, that's like PSA. Like, don't be a shithead to kids who are just like trying to 
have some innocent fun for, you know, potentially the last year that they get to do it. But also, so I did Megan's weird dream stories last time. Another really weird dream that I had. Which was uh, relate because you brought up Skittles. And I had this dream like, I know, I had this dream multiple times. And by multiple, maybe only twice, but I still feel like that's like enough for it to be notable. I had a dream where I like found or bought a bag of Skittles but they, like, weren't really Skittles. They were, like, little radio transmitters with tiny antennas in them. So. Um, what is, I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> I had that dream more than once. Wait. <laughs> did anything happen in the dream? Or did you just discover that the Skittles I don't like, I don't remember. Skittles. It was, like, a, it was an otherwise, like, elaborate dream. And. Like, there was a lot of other stuff happening, and I think it was related to that. But, like, the the only part of it that I remember was the radio transmitter Skittles. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Which, I mean, I don't know. This day and age, I might be, like, more worried that some person's trying to, like, low jack my kid with some sort of, like, weird transmitter so they can come find them and take them. <laughs> Your mind is so. a complicated place. <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy side sisters. Um, anyway. So the other thing that people think about when they like urban legends for Halloween is like, oh, people put razor blades in apples. And I had read a book some years ago that talked about that and it was like that is not a thing like i think there was like a single case where somebody found like i don't even think it was razor blade i think it was like a piece of glass or something in an apple but it was like the person had been storing the apples in their garage there was some broken glass in the floor the bag fell over and one of them got glass in it so it was like an accident okay so the last thing in terms of Halloween traditions and getting to our modern Halloween is the like Halloween today has gotten like very like extreme, morbid, death, gore, horror, scariness. Um, but that probably has some pretty old origins. So first, the All Saints and All Souls celebrations were probably influenced by the Black Death. And around the time that that plague was happening, you saw a lot of images of death, of Grim Reapers in artwork. And these depictions find their way into things associated with the All Saints and All Souls celebrations. And then shortly after the plague, you, uh, around the year 1480, you start to get these widespread witch hunts across Europe. And it's during these that tens of thousands of people, mostly women, because men are fucking assholes, were killed 
<laughs> because they were <laughs> like barely being sleepy while we record makes me very aggressive. Um, <laughs> were killed because they were suspected of witchcraft. Um, and some of that was like you still had plague going around. And a lot of that was like with respect to they were thought to like have caused or be spreading the plague because people had like no idea how disease actually spread and apparently they were just killing all the cats (sighs) jesus christ okay (laughs) so it is during the reign of king henry the eighth and his daughter elizabeth the first which like King Henry VIII was like already kind of a nut job. Um, but he uh, is the one who, or it's during his reign that All Hallows Eve is <clears throat> identified as a time when witches would gather, or it's like identified as some sort of Sabbath to them. But probably what this is related to is he had beef with the Vatican. Uh, and wanted to separate the Church of England from them and viewed All Saints Day as a papal holiday. So this was sort of a way to distance the Church of England from that holiday or try to. And so another quote from that book, Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, says more specifically about witches, A spectacular witch trial took place during the reign of the Protestant King James I. In 1590, dozens of Scots were accused of attempting to prevent James from reaching his queen-to-be, Anne of Denmark, by gathering on Halloween night and then riding the sea in sieves, sieves, right in the sea in sieves, <laughs> while creating <laughs> storms by tossing live cats tied to human body parts into the water. After the infamous North Berwick witch trials, as they were called, Halloween was forever to be firmly associated with witches, cats, cauldrons, brooms, and the devil. Okay. So, two things. One, okay. why is everyone so fucking mean to the cats? I don't know, but there's like a whole Netflix documentary called Don't Fuck With Cats. So, apparently, we don't put up with that shit anymore. Right. We don't <laughs> fuck with cats anymore. And then my other thought is like, once again, there's this discussion about cats, but it's not specifically black cats. Right. It's just, I don't know. It bothers me. I don't know where the black cat thing came from. I don't know. I mean, because basically everything earlier was like not, they're all just stories. That's right. All it is. Right. I'm just looking for. You're looking for meaning where there's not any. <laughs> <laughs> where there's only superstition and people who don't, don't have science to explain anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I just feel sad for the black cats. I know. Poor cats. Although, like, to be fair, I've known some cats who are real assholes in my life, so. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) All right. Uh, And then I thought it was interesting that I read that in America, this sort of, you know, modern association of Halloween with all things dark and death and gore and everything Uh, may have been influenced by the Civil War and the fact that 
um, during it, but also after it ended, you had huge numbers of people who just never came home. And, you know, people didn't get confirmation on whether or not they were dead. They just never came back. So it made sense in that time that people sort of like told a lot more uh, ghost stories and ones that were especially ones that revolved around people sort of like coming back to, you know, their home or whatever, because they were preoccupied with this idea that like their lost relatives, you know, might return or they wanted them to return. (laughs) That's sad. That's very sad. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I only laugh because that's my coping mechanism. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fake laughter, hiding real tears. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Always. Okay. Well, do you have any other thoughts about Halloween? I have a, uh, I have a quote to end us on here. If you don't, uh, I do not. I think I think we've covered the major traditions and talked about the history of the holiday, and it was a good learning experience. No, yeah, no, it was. Sorry, <laughs> it was a great learning experience. I learned a lot, actually. Yeah, um, and now I get to excite I get everybody else excited with my vast Halloween knowledge. So yeah, boom. One more, th- <laughs> one more reason to get my sweet Halloween tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so I just, I don't know why I wanted to end on this little quote here, but I read uh, an article by Maria Marzolo. And um, the, the title of the article is This is Halloween, the True Historical Origins and Meaning. And basically... I mean, she she kind of covers a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, um, but also covers that a lot of it is kind of it comes from a lot of places and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and um, that there's no real evidence that some of this stuff happened. So at the end, it's almost like an opinion piece where she talks about what her thoughts of what the meaning of Halloween is. Um, and at one point she says, The Halloween season is generally thought of as a spooky time of year because lurking beneath the surface of this otherwise fun holiday is the one aspect of life that all humans are conditioned to fear, death. And I just thought that was kind of heavy and spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, although I think I had heard that listening to, not that specific quote, but yeah, that idea listening to... Um, the folklore podcast, one of their Halloween special episodes. And yeah, this idea that like zombies and all this stuff is like, because people are less religious, it's definitely related to sort of us confronting the idea that we're all going to die and like what's going to happen to us afterwards and stuff. Right. And giving us a way to like make it fun. Right. Yeah. Sad and terrible. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Before we wrap up, I wanted to put out one last reminder to please send us some spooky stories to our Spooky Science Sisters email or social media pages, and keep listening to see if you hear your story make an appearance around Halloween. Also, we've moved our final segment to the very end of each episode, so if you want to listen to this week's short and spooky, stay tuned after our wrap up. 
So that wraps up episode 13 on Halloween traditions. Tune in next time for our special spooky listener stories episode. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookySciencesters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesters at gmail.com. It's time for Short and Spooky. Yay! So I did this week's Short and Spooky, and um, I did it based on a TikTok video that I saw. <laughs> so you're motherfucking right that I picked it based on a TikTok <laughs> video. Um, but okay, there's this really awesome account and basically all she does, well, she does some, some art stuff sometimes, but her, the, the main theme of her account, uh, and this is someone, her account name is Geodesaurus. And she does all of our TikTok videos on facts about lakes. So she's done a lot about the Great Lakes because I think she lives somewhere around the Great Lakes in the Midwest. Uh, but for the month of October, she's been doing a Spooky Lakes series, oh, which man. I absolutely love. And I've like learned so many things about various spooky lakes. But one that I really liked um, because it has some, I guess, sort of modern not modern, but very recent um, scientific discoveries that have honestly just made it more of a mystery uh, is one called Rupkund Lake, uh, which is a glacial lake in India, and it is sometimes called Skeleton Lake. It's like just 100% oh, perfect man. yeah, for Halloween. So this lake is located in the Indian Himalayas. It is at uh, just around 16,500 feet above sea level. So it is up there. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, uh, I think the highest peak in the continental U.S. is like a little over 14,000. So, so it's, it's high. It's really high. Um, <laughs> it is a three-day hike from the nearest village. So it's it's like a very remote, significantly, like it's high altitude place. Um, some of the scientists in, or one of the scientists in the articles I read about it, like said that she basically just had altitude sickness the whole time that they were there and like couldn't even hike up to the lake. So it's frozen for a lot of the year, but... When the surface of the lake thaws, you can actually see hundreds of skeletons that are like on the bottom and around the lake. And like some of them, they're so well preserved because it's very cold <clears throat> and dry. Some of them still have skin attached and like pieces of clothing attached to them. The pictures are like super awesome um rupkund is spelled it's two words r-o-o-p and then k-u-n-d but like just do a google image search because they're it's really cool so originally it was proposed that all of these people died 
at the same time in like some single catastrophic event that occurred uh, around a thousand years ago. And one of the, I guess, popular interpretations based on uh, injuries that they observed in some of the skeletons were that there was like some sort of like freak violent hailstorm that you know, this, these people were traveling or, you know, they were all together up in the mountains and they got caught in it and, you know, they died. And now, <laughs> now they're in this lake. Um, but there was some relatively new genetic analysis that was done. And it is, you can read about it in a paper that was published, I think in Nature last year, so in 2019. So it shows that the dumping of the bodies in this lake was done over a period of about a thousand years. So most of the skeletons, so they, they did an analysis of 38 skeletons. And like I saw that there were, um, there's like over 300 skeletons up there. So over 300 people up there. So most of them died around a thousand years ago, but some of them were, they did radiocarbon dating and they died as early or as recently as the early 1800s. So it's like a huge amount of time. That is <laughs> that, amazing. I mean, terrifying, I'm sure. Right. Like it's like the weirdest thing because it's like, ju ju like the time, like that's totally different like cultures and everything. And so not only do you have these skeletons from like this very wide time range, but you they also showed that they had variable genetic makeups. So some of the skeletons uh, have genetic makeups that are more similar to like Mediterranean heritage. So like modern day Greece. Uh, instead of what they should be, which is like South Asian, there's also a third distinct group from Southeastern Asian, or Southeastern Asia. So it's like, it's just the weirdest place because like, they don't, they don't really know. Like, why? Why is there a thousand years of bodies in this lake from like wildly different parts of the world? Um, and this study was done on just a subsect of 38 of these, you know, 200 to 300 plus skeletons. So it's like, who knows how many other geographic areas or, you know, time periods are represented right. um, in the skeletons that are there. That is really cool. I, I, don't, I don't know if cool is the right word, but. Yeah. It's like simultaneously very creepy, but like. Also awesome. super cool. <laughs> so I guess it's a difficult site for anthropologists to interpret because, uh, you know, people do go up there to hike like recreationally. And so it's been disturbed by hikers over time. Um, there have obviously been like landslides and avalanches that have damaged the skeletons or moved them around. So it's sort of hard to tell, you know, exactly how they died or exactly how they all got there. So, you know, some people have thought, well, maybe it's just like, these are all people who died because, you know, it's high altitude, there's 
pretty dangerous weather patterns that can happen. And it is near kind of areas that they areas where they had known migration paths or places where people would travel when they were on pilgrimages. So potentially like it's just sort of people died while they were out on that or groups of people died while they were trying to migrate and then avalanches or landslides or whatever just like collect all the bodies and all the skeletons into the lake. But I think other anthropologists, like that's one interpretation, but a lot of anthropologists think that it's just such a large concentration of skeletons. Right. And so it's like unlikely that they weren't put there on purpose. Like, that, yeah, that like, that, yeah, that they weren't yeah, put that there. Yeah, like somebody uh, was yeah, putting them there. That like somebody was putting them there. <laughs> like how convenient that that many bodies right yeah they all just like happen to end up there right um so it's like they they just said like if you find that many bodies that many skeletons like it's probably a graveyard but they like don't know why or who was putting them there or (laughs) what exactly happened to all of them so it is like just the coolest thing i've ever heard (laughs) that is really cool Great, short, and spooky. Yeah. See? Thank you, TikTok. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. That wraps us up. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on TikTok at Spooky Science, Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookySciencesisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane (coughs) and come home under the plane... You've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.